Welcome to the Recession Resistant Real Estate Radio, where we talk about real estate, passive investing, business strategies, and so much more. I'm your host, Brandon Cobb, CEO of HPG Capital. Now let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Recession Resistant Real Estate Radio. I'm your host, Brandon Cobb, co-founder of HPG Capital. And in today's episode, I want to talk about if land development is the new hot commodity. Of all the real estate niches out there, I feel like land development is probably the least understood and probably the most complex to most people. You know, we live in a world where single family rentals and flipping houses on HGTV has become the pop culture phenom of real estate investing. And there's so many different niches out there. And I want to dive into this one. I'm going to tell you a story. We were planning on building these 36 townhomes in one of the areas that we've got quite a few projects going that uh, we believe in, a lot of great demographics. And before we went vertical on it, we got a knock on the door and it was from a national builder. And they said, hey, we want to buy your development. We really like it. And we said, well, you know, it's not for sale. You know, we're going to you know, build on it. And they said, well, you know, would you take this for it? And we were like, no, nah, not really interested. And they just kept coming back and offering us more and more and more. And finally, they made us an offer that we couldn't refuse. And so we took it. And this opened our eyes up to land development. You know, we'd, we'd been doing land development. You know, we'd been building, but we'd never been doing land development for others or just selling the finished lots. And to get a knock on the door makes you kind of perk up a little bit, open your ears and eyes and, and listen. And so we started building a list of national builders and buyers for these finished lots. And I probably met with 15 <clears throat> either large funds that buy build the rent developments, um, all the nationals like DR Horton, good all homes and uh, people who, purchase these lots. And as I was sitting down having coffee with everyone, I found it very interesting that most of them were having trouble finding lots. And when I found out what they were paying other developers to develop the lots, like my eyes went wide. I was like, holy schmoly, how much? Because I knew what our costs were. And I was very surprised at what theirs was. And it was the same conversation over and over again. There's no supply out there. I can't find them. Our cost to develop is absolutely insane. And, you know, I continued to ask around, ask around, and, uh, you know, I spoke with title companies, and it seemed to be the same story. Man, you know, Brandon, nobody wants to do, you know, what you guys are, are doing. They want to buy the finished pads. Nobody wants to deal with the city. They don't want to rezone the property. They don't want to deal with the political headache. They don't want to deal with the town hearings. They don't want to deal with the back and forth between the civil engineers. And they certainly don't want to be the ones involved in, in pushing the, the dirt around. They just want the easy thing. And that was kind of the common theme. I was like, everyone just wants the easy thing. And I guess I didn't really think of land development as being something that was difficult because we were doing it. Uh, anyway, it was the same story. So we're kind of like, huh, maybe there's an opportunity here. You know, I'm just looking at supply and demand imbalances and, and looking for uh, uh, prices when I see that people are paying, uh, you know, <laughs> double what uh, it's currently costing me to do something for service. You know, that's that's interesting to me. So the supply and demand imbalances really caught my ear. And so I started wondering, well, is this something that's maybe just local or is this on a national level? And this led me to going into looking at the data. I want to go over the new construction starts, what that looks like, 
um, go over how there are contractors retiring, which is reducing the supply of the necessary contractors to get these land developments done, and then really go and tackle the lack of supply. So I want to jump into these with you today. Uh, before we do, if you get value from these podcast episodes, please take a minute and leave us a review. Share these with your friends and family if it, it hits home or uh, you feel like it gets value. Whenever you leave a review, the uh, algorithm, uh, it thanks you and it bumps us up and this allows us to bring you more uh, fantastic content. So if you don't mind, please take a second. All right, so back to the show. I had met with many of these national builders and these funds and the conversation was basically the same. There are no supply of finished pads out there on the market. And if they are currently under construction, they're pretty much already spoken for, right? They've already got an end buyer lined up. And what was really interesting to me about this business strategy is the terms, the terms that these uh, builders who wanted these finished pads were willing to put down in order to get the finished pads locked up ahead of time before the development has even started. So I thought it was really interesting that many of them had the same terms. They were willing to put down 10% of the purchase price. So if they're paying $6 million for all the finished pads, they were willing to put a $600,000 deposit down to be released. Now, this is different than if you were to go into contract and put your money into an escrow account to be held as earnest money. That really, in my opinion, isn't having a whole lot of skin in the game. That earnest money is usually, or that deposit earnest money is usually held at the buyer's title company, which they have the relationship and they control. And in the event that something goes wrong and you try to get that money, there's a very high likelihood that you're probably not going to get it. Maybe it keeps locked up there, but again, they have the relationship with that title company. So I always recommend uh, if you're selling something that the buyer has to keep their earnest money or their deposit with your title company that you have a relationship with in their escrow account. So on these particular deals, the terms are that they have to release that deposit as the development starts getting finished. In other words, it you can use that deposit towards the cost of the development. And they'll release it to you sometimes all at once, or sometimes if you're building a relationship with them, you might have to release it in hurdles as you finish certain uh, spots of the development, like the grading and then the utilities and then the uh, curb and gutter and roads, um, et cetera. So I thought that was really interesting because from a, a risk standpoint, if you're able to have that much of a deposit locked in already, your end buyer has a lot of skin in the game. And that means that they're much less likely to uh, walk away. Um, you know, we we typically look for 20% plus, you know, 25% plus margins in a lot of the homes that we build. And we think that provides a nice uh, buffer for us in the event that we do have any kind of market corrections. We want to be able to refinance out uh, of the home as well. Um, that's why we're looking at doing uh, some build to rent developments that look very attractive right now. But we're seeing like 35, 40%, sometimes 50% margins uh, on a lot of these deals. And that's after the investors get paid out. And that just, that's really interesting to me. You know, we've got some LOIs right now on uh, a townhome project that we're um, currently entitling. We're probably going to start here in the next 12 weeks. And it's just insane what people are paying for finished pads right now. So I started looking at maybe some of the root causes that's driving this. 
And one factor I do know right now in particular is in Q3, Q4, so that's the fall and winter of last year, that was when the interest rate shock really hit. The market pretty much came to a screeching halt in Q3, Q4 last year. And then, you know, Q1 of this year kind of really bounced back. We're now in the hot spring buying season and things are definitely moving and grooving. But the lack of purchasing last year as people um, stopped and waited for what the Fed was going to do really limited the supply. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the fall and winter of this year. All the product that never uh, went went up or started uh, last year. Like, what is that going to do to the market? <clears throat> you know, we're still in a phase where, you know, builds were going last year when everyone thought the market was good and those are hitting the market. Now, you know, as we go into the, uh, the fall and the wintertime, that's not going to be the case. So I'm very interested to see what happens. If you look at the data right here, and I've literally got the, the chart of <clears throat> the number of new construction starts on a national level, you know, <sighs> The average number is somewhere in the, you know, 1.2 to 1.4 range. And most of these dips, and this goes back to the 60s, usually if there's a, there's a dip in the number of new construction starts, you can see that it usually rebounds uh, pretty quick. So you, you've got these, these buildups and these gyrations that go up and down. And on the low point, uh, you know, back in 2008, 2009, there were literally only like 590,000 new construction starts in a, in a three year uh, period per year. Um, and if you look at this, our new construction starts have never really caught up. Like they just caught up to what the average was. And then COVID happened. And then COVID basically freaked everybody else. The number of starts went to the floor. And then, as you know, things kind of rebounded. And so we've got a pretty big, supply glut of uh, houses and you know that's thanks to you know several different things one being the supply chain the inability to get uh, materials um, one is just uh, the lack of supply we've been very slow to recover from 2008 2009 we didn't have a period where it bounced back there was a three-year period where we just didn't build any homes and it's never been like that in the history of construction for that long we've had these little blips and then it rebounds but it is, it was significant back then. And the charts just have shown that we just quite frankly haven't recovered. Um, so supply chain issues are one. The other is, you know, lack of specialty contractors that do this. As a nation, our culture has shifted. The trades are not sexy to send our kids into. The motto when I was growing up from my parents and, and grandparents was go to college. Send little Johnny and Susie off to college. Let them get a pencil-pushing job using their brain, making money. And that led to a huge drive-up in demand. And that huge drive-up in demand for colleges cranked up the pricing for colleges. And now we have all-time outstanding student loan debt that is almost impossible uh, to pay off. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm marrying a... Uh, someone who, who has uh, student loan debt and has had student loan debt for the past 17 years and still hasn't been able to pay it off. That's, that's crazy to me. And I think the reason I'm bringing this up is it just hasn't been sexy to send people into the trades. And I think you're going to start to see a shift because the amount of money that these trades are making from doing the work that nobody else wants to do or 
having the specialized knowledge to do it is absolutely insane. I know people, literally uh, workers who pour concrete that make more than most white collar jobs. I'm talking two, three hundred thousand dollars a year and their manual labor is pouring concrete. I know these people. I know exactly what they make. I pay some of these people to do some of our houses. I know exactly how much money I'm making. Them. I'm like, holy schmoly, this is absolutely insane because I know what their cost is. And I know what they're, uh, you know, having to pay just a couple guys to do this. So uh, it's absolutely insane. And the availability of developers with this specialized knowledge to finish these pads is not there. It's not on the market. Uh, all of these old master plumbers, electricians, uh, land developers, they're retiring. They're getting old. So I don't, we're not there yet. I think you are going to see a bounce back in the trades eventually when the amount of money these trades are making becomes a little bit more mainstream, but we're not there yet. And I think we're, we're far from it, but I'm seeing it firsthand. I'm feeling it like it's leaving my bank account. I'm, I'm paying these guys and I'm also getting paid because I'm doing some of this work. So it's been very interesting to, to watch the housing market that hasn't quite recovered from 2008 and, and 2009 and especially from, uh, from COVID, uh, bounce back and the variables that are contributing to this. Um, you know, I, 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 I pay close attention to a lot of the supply and demand imbalances. And right now, based on the conversations I'm hearing from title companies that govern these uh, these transactions, based on the conversations I'm hearing from national builders, not just locally from across the country, uh, based on the number of contractors I see retiring and the availability uh, that I'm seeing of these specialty contractors, especially in the land development uh, sector, I, I see a huge supply and demand imbalance. Will it always be like this? No, I'm, I'm sure the favors will tilt in the other way eventually. But right now, we're seeing huge demand for finished pads, so much so that, you know, of the 550, you know, units that we're currently either rezoning and titling or developing, you know, quite frankly, most of the vertical builds that we had slated to go for vertical builds, it makes more sense from an IRR perspective for us to just go ahead and finish the pads and sell them especially if we have an in-buyer already lined up with significant earnest money down, um, a reduced time frame to get our investors in and out. Uh, we're seeing a huge, huge opportunity here. So is land development the next hot commodity? I don't know. Maybe we'll find out next time. See you guys.